Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back. Today we're here with Kristen Gamboa. She's the Senior Economic Developer for the Village of Las Lunas, New Mexico. Prior to this, she was the Director of Business Development for the New Mexico Partnership. Kristen, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. So for those of us who aren't familiar with the geography of New Mexico, where is Las Lunas? Sure. So New Mexico, or excuse me, Los Lunas is pretty much centered um, right in the middle of the great state of New Mexico. We are just about 15 minutes south of Albuquerque, which is the largest metro, um, and is pretty much right in the middle um, as well. So we have um, I-25 that runs north and south directly through the state, and then I-40, which runs east to west. And boom, right there is Albuquerque. And then 15 minutes south is Los Lunas, New Mexico. Fantastic. So is it a a bedroom community or does it have its own distinct identity? I want to say it has its own distinct identity, which it totally does. Um, We are a village of Los Lunas, which does sound kind of fun and silly to say nowadays. Um, I guess we were a bedroom community, but now over the past 25, 30 years, we've just grown so much and our previous council um, and past mayors have put or they placed back then so many great things that are now coming to life, coming to fruition, that has really positioned us to be um, the second fastest growing community in the state of New Mexico behind Albuquerque and Rio Rancho, which is part of the larger Albuquerque Metro as well. Gotcha. And so what are these things that the previous council and the previous mayors have, you know, brought forward? What are these things? Sure. So I have three amazing industrial parks that are all on our Western side of the village, which is of course seeing our most growth West of I-25. So it's really kind of an untapped area. Um, Our main road, which is also known as New Mexico Highway 6, runs east to west through our village. So when you're over there on the west side, if you're north of our main road, you're going to see three industrial parks heading west. If you go south of our main road, you're going to see all new housing construction that's going up there. We also have a brand new uh, University of New Mexico Workforce Training Center that is opening its doors on the 18th. So starting very, very soon in a couple of days. Um, so it's all strategically positioned, especially since our uh, main road, New Mexico Highway 6, if you take it west about a solid 25 minutes, it connects to I-40. So in theory, if you're coming from California or Arizona, you can bypass the busy Albuquerque metro traffic, or if you're coming south from the international border with Mexico, you can also bypass it if you need to head out west. So it's all those little things, um, specifically in the industrial parks. I mean, having them there and already zoned for industrial, having all those little particulars already set, it's kind of led us to that. Um, now I've been in this role just shy of a year, 
Um, but we're finally getting like water and sewer infrastructure to the Western tip of those industrial parks. So just being able to put all those little pieces together, I'm calling them all the little details is really, really, really going to make us flourish even that much more. So. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. And I, truthfully, one of the reasons that I wanted you to be on the show is the number of times that you specifically have been in the news in the last six months about mm -hmm. industrial projects coming into New Mexico. I mean, I, honestly, I never had heard of Las Lunas before. And the uh, the papers in Albuquerque, they just keep writing about you and, and what you're doing there in Las Lunas. So you're basically building on plans and projects that were put into place in the right. past and are now just finally coming to fruition. Exactly, exactly. And prior to this role, I was a director of business development for the New Mexico Partnership, which basically does economic development for the entire state. And it was more of the marketing and business recruitment arm. And that's where I really first, I really saw firsthand that people just really didn't even think about New Mexico. I remember being so nervous when I would go to my very first trade shows and I'm there with all these important people. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these C-suite executives are going to laugh in my face when I try and talk to them about New Mexico, just because I already had these preconceived notions of what I thought they were going to say, like uh, your population. No, you guys only have 2.4 million. That's silly. We would never even look at that. Or you're right next to Texas and Colorado They and Arizona. They offer way more incentives. Not even going to even look at you like you guys are ridiculous. But instead, what I got was, oh, yeah, New Mexico. Never even really thought about you guys. Oh, yeah, that's right. You are located there in the Southwest. Oh, yeah, I went skiing one time. It was fabulous. Or the people are so nice. Or your food is so excellent because we do have a unique cuisine with red and green chili. And our culture is very influenced by Native American and the Spanish settlement. So people recognize that we were a little bit unique. They just completely didn't even think about us for any business sense whatsoever. And so after a few years of being in that role and going to trade shows and going on site missions and talking to site selectors, I mean, I just realized, oh, I'm basically a teacher. Like I am teaching you a little bit of geography of A, where we're located, B, no, you don't need a passport. We accept US currency. We're a part of the United States. People just literally completely didn't even consider or think about us. So when the opportunity came to do economic development in my county, because I am a resident of Valencia County, um, I thought and realized as well, like, oh, we have all these amazing things in place. There's just not that one person that's connecting everything together or just even getting the word out that these things are here and they're growing and there's so much more opportunity um, to help grow those things even more in the future. So that's really all that I'm trying to do. So it's not even something magical. So it's kind of surprised me that I came out so much in the media um, just because it was, it was just simple little things, but people just had it taken the time to do it, didn't have the capacity, whatever the case may be, but I'm proud of it. I am so proud of it. And as a resident here, I want everyone to know about it. I want us to be able to grow and hopefully retain, um, you know, the brain drain is one of our biggest things here in New Mexico. And I want our residents to be able to realize, oh, hey, just down the road from us in those industrial parks, there's high paying jobs from international companies no idea that they were even there. So it's, that's all I'm trying to do is just trying to get the word out that amazing things are already happening here. Just not enough people take advantage of them or even know they exist. 
So when you were at the New Mexico Partnership, your position was pretty outward facing. You were sure. dealing with site selectors and, and companies from across the, the country and around the world. Now, are you more locally focused? Are you yes. reaching out to the local businesses and the local people? How does that work? Sure. So yes, when I transitioned over to doing local economic development, my role switched to a focus on the already established companies within the village of Los Lunas and help them expand and grow, whether that's uh, literally just expanding their warehouse next door, buying the next lot next door, or um, expanding outward outside of this outside of the city um, of our town or our village, excuse me. Um, but then also still trying to do that marketing and business recruitment to try and bring more companies into our industrial parks or wherever in the village makes the best sense for them. So it's a little bit of A, a little bit of B. So learning the economic development side locally uh, through business retention and expansion part is a new item for me, but it's still fun. It's engaging because the unique thing about New Mexico is that only, only even though we're only 2.4 million people, the majority of our businesses are small to medium. So when you even focus in even more on the community side, they're, I mean, they're multi-generational. Like these families have been there from like the first settlers, like the first mercantile stores. And so there's that unique history and culture. And that's what I love so much about it, even though I never thought I would, um, but that these families have just been trying to expand or evolve and expand with the times and technology, but then also still kind of retaining that traditional sense of their family history and our local Los Lunas history too. It's pretty awesome. That is. It sounds like it. So how did you get into this? How did you become an economic developer? Is this what you always wanted to be when you grew up? Yes, absolutely. Since day one. No, I, I was born and raised in El Paso, Texas. So just four hours south of where I currently am, uh, right along the border with the country of Mexico. And um, for better or for worse, I don't really know. But, you know, people always joke around that Texas never really claimed El Paso. New Mexico didn't claim it. And the country of Mexico never claimed it. So it's kind of its own little thing. And it kind of really was, but growing up on the border was that international influence and also the military base, you got to meet a whole bunch of different cultures. So for example, my high school, even though I grew up with generally the same amount of people in my elementary and middle, when we hit high school, we had an influx of, which I didn't realize till my first day, that like half of our population were students that literally drove from Juarez, Mexico, every single day crossing the border to attend our high school. And so that was that in itself was just a little bit of a culture shock, even though I am a first generation um, American. But even then, that's when I realized, oh, I've been living in this little tiny bubble. This world is so much bigger than I even imagined. So I always knew I wanted to do something um, internationally with business. No idea what that meant or looked like. And so I um, stayed at UTEP, University of Texas in El Paso for a year, realized eh, it's still a little too close to home. I want to go and explore and see the world. So in my mind, I thought Albuquerque was the closest, biggest city and it snowed up here, which I don't like the snow. So I have no idea why I thought that that was a deciding factor in moving and doing school, but I did, I did it. And uh I came over here to the University of New Mexico, thought I would get my bachelor's degree and then, you know, just take over the world, move to Arizona, California, Europe, I don't know, become a CEO and make all the millions of dollars. And then I could do all the uh, service community type things that I've always liked to do. Um, but 
the world just kind of doesn't operate that way. And I realized that very quickly after getting my degree in business administration with a concentration in international management, um, I got recruited by Verizon Wireless to be part of this four-year retail leadership development program. And I thought, this is it. This is my ticket. If you're doing this program, this two-year program, I'm going to move up, become CEO. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to do it before I'm 30. Perfect. Like, this is the roadmap to success. Um, yeah. And then of course that did not happen. Uh, but I learned so, so much just working on the corporate side because I had to um, change roles every so often. So I really got to experience um, the full strength and capacity of working retail as well as um, on the call center side of a multinational corporation. Um, but after the program and after I did not become CEO in you know, the very short amount of time as I thought it would be, I thought, you know what, I, I'm not 100% happy. I want to switch gears. I want to do something also that helps up my community. No idea what that looked like, but the opportunity came to work for a local nonprofit. And I thought, why not? Let's do it. I've done the corporate thing. I've tried my hardest. Let's switch gears. So I, I switched those gears and um, I was working for a local nonprofit. I did a lot of socioeconomic work. And that kind of brought me onto the political side of things. So we did a lot of lobbying um, with our membership, whether that was locally in city government or in state government. And I thought, okay, this is cool. Can be a little toxic at times, but this is interesting. But I started realizing after a few years that I was missing the business side of things. So while I was there at that nonprofit, I built up this cohort of um, small business owners within the Albuquerque region that also supported these socioeconomic efforts that we were leading and doing. So through that, I was able to do the business side of things that I like, but I was also to able to build up their leadership for political lobbying type things. And that's when I realized that's kind of what I wanted to do something more on the business side with the business owners, grouping them together, building cohorts, making change for the better. And and so I was trying to figure out what that meant still. And a few of my friends forwarded me the um, job application to work at the New Mexico Partnership doing economic development. And I thought, well, it looks like this kind of blends everything together. Why not again? Let's do it. So I did. And I'm so grateful I got that position because that's when I realized all the little boxes were being checked off and I could do everything that I liked and had a fairly good skill set at, but I was still able to help my community. So I was literally helping the state try to get economic-based jobs. And then now in this role where I'm doing it locally, where I actively live and can talk to the residents, hear feedback, work with the local politicians to try and build better strategies for the future. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. That really combines everything I've wanted to do that I've been looking for. And I'm so excited and grateful I found it because honestly, I mean, after like 10 years, I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't just keep switching these gears, but I love it. It is so interesting that economic development checks all of those boxes for so many people. You know, it allows you get that sort of service to your community and uh, the business side at the same time. It combines that so well. And for so many people, it's just the, you know, where they want to be and they had no idea that the this even existed. So how does the, um, the partnership in New Mexico, how does it, you know, how does it work? Does it work well with the local communities? Is it like other states where, you know, they, they generate leads and they, they funnel the leads down to the local communities? What else do they do? 
Sure. So they are the single point of contact for the state of New Mexico. Uh, they do generate leads. They do funnel them down to the local communities. They do um, actively go to the trade shows, set up booths, set up meetings with companies looking to expand C-suite executives, um, as well as site consultants through sales missions. So they do do all of that. Um, and it's amazing what they do for, I mean, uh, let's be honest, for New Mexico, not giving them really that much of a budget to be able to do that. Um, all the work that gets done. I mean, I was constantly traveling leading up to the um, the pandemic and the work from home order. I'm, I think I was gone like every single week um, leading up to that from the past six months prior, just because there's so many shows, so many, in, so much interest. Um, and then once you get those leads and start funneling them down through the communities, you got to do that follow-up also, um, get those small detail questions answered. Um, I also helped with setting up site visits. So when those were happening also, so not only was I traveling all over through the United States, but I was also traveling through the state of New Mexico also. Um, and that's just the current state of economic development in New Mexico. It's something that is needed. Unfortunately, doesn't have that much financial support like our other neighboring states. Um, but the ones that are in it and are living it here within the state, we do have a great um, local association that the New Mexico partnership it kind of spearheads to try and keep us all together and engaged and knowing what's going on outside of the state because we're so focused what's going on locally. Like I'm a one woman show down here at the village of Los Lunas and I'm one of the fastest growing communities in the state. I could easily have two or three other people helping me, but that's just not how it currently works here. So between the um, New Mexico partnership and working with the state economic development office and working regionally with our other smaller community economic developers, we all try and bring it on home whenever we can and work cooperatively. So you took this job in Las Lunas about a year ago. So you basically were, you know, working for the partnership, traveling around, doing all that. Then the, the pandemic started. So mm -hmm. I'm assuming the partnership started, you know, changing what they were doing. And now you're in this sort of business retention and expansion sort of position there in Las Lunas. So how did COVID go and or how did it play out for you? And what kinds of things did you do uh, for your local community specifically related to COVID? Sure. So uh, I was traveling a lot. The work from home order hit. We, everything shut down and we started working from home. And um, that was fine for the first couple of months. We did the virtual trade show type thing. We even did one trade show that was uh, 24 or 48 hours of an international type trade show. So that way, you know, if you could be manning your virtual booth during certain hours, you, you did it. And so oh, I sure. remember we, we, we did that because we were just, we, we didn't know what the future was going to look like. We didn't know if we still should be generating leads, but I mean, why not? So so um, you're saying that you were manning the booth at, you know, two o'clock in the morning. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Melinda Allen, who's currently now uh, the president, she was the vice president while I was there. Um, yeah, we, we took shifts. We took turns um, manning all of the virtual booths during the day, during the night, whatever the case may be, because we just didn't know what that looked like, but we still right. wanted to keep engagement. Um, I leaned very, very heavily on social media as well, not just for myself, but that's really what, that's really the platform that I use to get the word out. And, and that was something that I really did learn from the New Mexico partnership from the beginning was 
people just don't know about New Mexico. Like I established that I saw that firsthand, but the things that they do know are pretty negative and no one's hearing about the good. So I took it upon myself to just post anything. Even if it was like one article a day from somewhere in the state of New Mexico, that was positive talking about a brand new company, whether it was local or one moving into the state an expansion, a new patent, I don't know, just something positive. And so between manning those virtual booths, doing the social media through LinkedIn, um, I, I, I mean, I kept myself pretty busy. I heavily use LinkedIn to be able to connect to site consultants also. And um, I mean, thankfully, I'm not one that likes to like burn bridges or forget about things or forget about people or interactions. I like to build genuine lasting relationships. So I was able to keep those through the pandemic, through LinkedIn, even though I knew that they were busy and or also scared because who knew what the world was going to come to. And um, it really helped me leverage myself for when I transitioned into this role um, because it kind of just happened as I think for a lot of people going through this great migration or resignation or finding new jobs. Uh, the person that was in my role prior to him retiring, even he himself never thought he was going to retire, but the pandemic just kind of made him you know, realize, okay, I'm done. I don't know what's happening. I want to enjoy right. my life. I have the ability to, I'm going to. And so I never thought that I would actually have the opportunity to take this role. Um, I thought I would be with the partnership for a long, long time. And um, I mean, I was able to, I love being able to work for my community. If I could work for the partnership and my community, I would do it in a heartbeat because I love doing those two things. So, I mean, the pandemic is tough and it's rough and we're still going through it. And now when I shifted over to this capacity, I thought, okay, well, there's businesses here that are, that are multi-generational. I'm not able to go meet them in person. A lot of them are older and they don't like using the technology. Um, phone calls are cool and fun, but they still don't know what I look like. I don't know what they look like. It's not the same thing as meeting them in person. So, I mean, I try, I tried my best, tried my hardest to set up zoom meetings with, you know, the, the ones that were willing to and could. And if I happen to be out grocery shopping or something, like I tried shopping local as much as, we, as I could and still do. Um, I really saw that our Facebook, for example, was reaching um, a lot of our local residents and a lot of the county as well. So I thought, okay, well, that's one place that I could definitely, at least when I'm meeting these new businesses, introducing myself, I could just share anything, even if it's a, hey, we're having a sale. Hey, our business is um, open to the public again, or, hey, we just launched our online store or, hey, we just did a service project, donated, I don't know, whatever, gallons of hand sanitizer to the fire department, like anything. So, and I'm st that's still part of my pitch whenever I'm talking to businesses is, hey, let me share something, anything, just to keep you on people's radar, let them know that, hey, you're still open because there was, there still is that kind of great confusion if mm -hmm. restaurants or whatever are back up to capacity, if they're open, if they're closed during the week, Um so just trying to keep our local businesses at the top of everyone's list has kind of been the biggest thing that I've been doing um, here locally, um, as well as participating across other disciplines that aren't necessarily at the far forefront of economic development. Um, like I have been focusing a lot on workforce and that career pipeline from elementary school to trade school and or high school. 
And so that's been able to allow me to um, meet a lot of people that otherwise I wouldn't that are pretty influential here in the county and locally as well. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what what's happening in the county in regards to workforce, because you mentioned one of the problems in New Mexico has been this brain drain. Mm-hmm. So people grow up and leave for better opportunities elsewhere. But what is happening there in regards to the workforce? Yeah. So Valencia County is just south of Bernalillo County. And Bernalillo County is technically what houses the city of Albuquerque, the largest metro in the state. So down here in Valencia County, we are a little agricultural. We do have some agricultural roots and lots of small to medium-sized businesses. Again, lots of farming, uh, multi-generational type thing. And the most interesting thing is that we have more international-based companies here in Valencia County in manufacturing than there technically are in Bernalillo County. And And the the population difference between the two counties is just you know, in, in state, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Huge disparity. And so when I realized that, and I started going on tours, when things were starting to open back up again last year, um, that's the first thing I did. And I was like, I know I technically work for the village of Los Lunas, but I need to know what's going on in the County. Like if I can leverage that, you know, we have Clarion that makes those uh, desiccant packets that go inside of pill bottles, medicine bottles. Oh, mm-hmm. We produce, they produce like a billion of them a year. Like how, how do, how do we not know that? How are we not leveraging that? And it was kind of embarrassing for the fact that I worked for the New Mexico partnership and I didn't even know that. So it was that type of thing. Um, we have, gosh, we have so many things. We have um, Cisneros brothers that does, um, pipe fitting manufacturing and they manufacture for um, the Walmart distribution centers across the United States for um, the national labs across the United States. Like, how did we not know that? I have a plastic injection molding company that does millions of dollars worth with like Pepsi and Walmart. I mean, producing cups, Halloween containers, just any and everything imaginable with Top Golf. I'm and it's it still blows my mind when I actually think about it. And I'm taking people on site visits to meet these companies because it's all here in our little Valencia County. Um, and people just don't know about it. So with that being said, um, there have been already these workforce type groups trying to stop the brain drain, but there's still a little bit of a disconnect between what's really going on in our schools and then once those kids are in high school looking for jobs or getting ready to graduate or thinking if they want to go to college or whatever the case may be, they themselves, as well as their parents, just don't even know that these companies are here locally down the street from them or in their neighborhoods. So trying to bring awareness that way. um, One of the things that we did this past year, which I thought was absolutely amazing. um, We held a little teacher Academy right before the beginning of the school year, because it was going to be in person. Um, a teacher academy just for the teachers. So we had our companies, our local companies from Valencia County teach the teachers about some specific skill that they look for when they're hiring new employees. So that way the teachers could firsthand understand, oh, that's what you mean by desiccants, or this is what manufacturing actually looks like here. It's not some like PBS program of how to whatever is made. So I thought that was absolutely amazing because we couldn't take the teachers on a tour and take them to each single factory. We had 
the professionals, the experts be there teaching the teachers, answering their questions, putting together worksheets. So that way the teachers could then reformulate that into a way to teach their own kids later on in the year. Wow. That's amazing. So make sure I understand this. You had you all the teacher, you got all the teachers together. Are we talking about just the high school teachers or? Well, it was more of like a voluntary type thing, but okay. largely, largely high school teachers. Okay. The so the teachers that wanted to come, they came yes. and you brought representatives from these companies that came and talked to them about what they do and, and what their workforce needs kind of are. Is that what we're, we're saying? Correct. But more specifically teaching them, like they teaching had to them. come prepared with a lesson to teach these teachers. Um, so for example, Aristec surfaces, they do like countertop surfaces for like hospitals, Burger Kings, that type of thing. Sure. Um, it's acrylic based. I mean, they could do a whole bunch of things, but that's like their main bread and butter. Um, they, they put together this like physics lesson that unfortunately went over my head quite a bit, <laughs> but I mean, it was just, it was just awesome and amazing. The fact that they put the time and effort to do that because they realize how important it is to have a local workforce right. and to be talking to these teachers that have that direct connection to the students um, was beautiful, quite honestly. And um, the teachers just asking questions. I mean, teachers come from all different backgrounds. We already have a teacher shortage. We had that before the pandemic. So being able to see them refreshed and excited and revived uh, was pretty beautiful as I get little chills talking about it. This is, this is just how much I care about the future and things that we need to be doing now, even though it's very long-term and I'm not going to see those immediate effects. Um, but, but yeah, that is, that's a really great idea. And I've never heard of that happening anywhere else. So were you part of putting that together or did that come from I a was group part or? of it. I wasn't instrumental. I can't take all the credits. Um, we put that together through the Valencia County Partnership, which is spearheaded by the United Way of Central New Mexico. And it was done largely by a grant through Facebook. So the Facebook data wow. centers are located here within the village of Los Lunas. And they just recently announced um, their expansion in October of last year. So anyways, Facebook has been an amazing partner. And so they gave us the money to be able to put this program together for these teachers. And it took us like four months of planning. It was a very small committee of just like three of us, three or four of us. Um, and I mean, we're all different types of stakeholders. So like the internship mm -hmm. coordinator from the high school, me who does economic development, uh, our lady that's our coordinator from United Way, trying to follow up with our business owners, get them interested and excited, make it not feel like a project for them, another headache because they've already been through enough with the pandemic. They're already having workforce issues. So not only did we have to like hold their hand, then we had to try and coerce these teachers also like, this isn't going to be another boring seminar. This isn't going to be us just wasting your time. Like we are going to have breakfast. We're going to have strong coffee. You're going to be there for a good part of the day. We are going to have delicious lunch. We are going to have gift bags for you. If you come and you register early, and you bring a friend, you could get a gift card. Like we were trying every single way to try and get these teachers excited, motivated, and to also come because this is a huge effort and lift for the businesses to come and do this, um, as well as for us to kind of take time from all the craziness that we're doing to make it all happen. So it was so exciting. It's so nice. I wish it was something that could be more of a something that came like mandatory from the school districts, like, sure. Hey, you have this, your first day of in-service, we're coming back to school. 
you have to go through this type of thing. So we'll see what that looks like, but that's honestly one of the coolest things that we've had done. And I know if we keep on continuing with it and putting in that effort, it'll help further down the line with that pipeline of connecting the students to actual jobs, good high paying jobs that are here within the county. Absolutely fascinating. I, I think that I'm sure that many of our listeners would probably, hearing this idea, would want to do something similar. If any of our listeners want to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to contact you? Um, it would be through my LinkedIn, basically. Um, I use that more than I use Facebook or Instagram. I don't even know how to use Snapchat or any of the other things. Um, it's all it's all through LinkedIn. More than happy to help talk about it, um, share our ideas, what worked for us, what didn't. And of course, able to steal any other exciting ideas that others might have so that we could incorporate it um, as well. Well, Kristen, you've been an excellent guest. I have learned so much about the state of New Mexico, a, a state that honestly, I sort of don't think a lot about, you yeah. know, it's that place between Arizona and uh, Texas is, yeah. you know, sort of how I think about it, but you, you've made me rethink it. So that's excellent. Again, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for talking with us. Awesome. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I also just want to really quickly invite anyone that ever wants to come to New Mexico, even if it's just for fun, doesn't have to be anything economic development wise, let me know. I will give you all the best recommendations, hotels, food. It's, it's unique out here and it's delicious, delicious and everyone should experience it at least once. Well, excellent. I will definitely take you up on that in the future. Good. I look forward to it. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.